All right, everyone, we did it. We made it all the way to week nine. Um, I just want to thank everyone who participated in this study, and I, and I want to congratulate you for your hard work um, and for your dedication to studying the book of Galatians, which is, it's not the easiest book in the world, but it is really so beneficial. Um, and if you didn't get a chance to maybe do all of the weeks, if you had to skip a week, um, I want to encourage you to go back and do that um, at your at your leisure, whenever you feel like you have time to do that in the future. These audio lessons are going to stay up, so you'll always have access to them. Um, and if for some reason you needed a workbook, um, you're always free to reach out to me and I can send you the file so you could reprint that like if you lost yours or something. Um, but again, I just want to encourage and congratulate all of you for um, putting in the time to learn from God's word um, together and to have community with other women at GBC. For this final wrap-up lesson, I want to go over a few big ideas from Galatians just to refresh us and remind us of some of the things that we've learned over these past weeks. Uh, but before I do that, I did want to take a moment to thank some people. Um, first off, there is an acknowledgments section in the back of your workbook um, that you may have noticed already, but if you haven't looked at that yet, I would just ask you to look at it because um, there are a lot of people who helped to make this study possible. I would never have been able to do it on my own without the help of other people. So please do go back and look at that acknowledgments section. Um, and if you see any of those people, you know, you can thank them for um, what they contributed to the making of this study. Uh, and then I also wanted to thank all of you um, for the many of you who have come and told me about how encouraged you've been by this study and how helpful that it's been to you. Um, I work on these studies over a really long period of time, kind of on my own, and so there's a long time where I'm working and there's no feedback. And so to have people come up and tell me that it's been beneficial is really encouraging to me. Um, and it's also just a beautiful encouragement to see how the Spirit uses us to serve and encourage one another. Um, so I just really want to thank you all for that um, and just really give glory to God um, for the work that he has done because I know that whatever benefit that you got from doing this study was, was the work of the Spirit in you and a, a really gracious gift of God um, to our entire church. So yeah, thank you to everyone um, for your kind and encouraging words. I do really appreciate it. Um, so to wrap up today, we are going to look back on four big ideas that I wanted to make sure to really uh, remind you of before we wrapped everything up. Um, those ideas are first, the danger of false teaching. Next, the need for gracious confrontation among believers. Third, the importance of the spirit. And then fourth, that um, right theology should be the foundation of healthy biblical community. Um, so the first one I want to talk about really quickly is the danger of false teaching. And that's an idea that Paul really started off this letter with um, right out of the gate. He is expressing his shock and dismay at how the Galatians have been misled by false teaching by the Judaizers. False gospels endanger the spiritual well-being of believers, so we need to learn how to recognize this kind of teaching. And I hope that our study of Galatians helped you with that, helped you to recognize what the gospel truly is and what it's not. Um, if we recognize false teaching when we see it, um, then we can know that we need to run from it and we can warn others against it. 
Um, but we also learned that we needed to remember that not every area of theological disagreement counts as false teaching or as a false gospel specifically. So we can disagree about things like whether or not the universe was created in seven literal days or seven figurative days, and we can still be in fellowship with, with one another as long as we're acknowledging that God is our creator. But there are things that we can't disagree on. Um, and then specifically in the Galatians case, we saw that justification by faith is something that is a really core truth of the gospel. So we can't accept a gospel of works because that is not the true gospel. The second big idea that I wanted to remind you about is the need for gracious confrontation among believers. Um, this is something that Paul modeled for us really well throughout the entire letter to the Galatians. So to start with, he's confronting the Galatians for their falling into false teaching, being led astray by this false gospel that the Judaizers had brought in among them. And he's not... He's, he's angry and worried for their, um, for their spiritual well-being, but um, he's not doing so in a way that is condemning them. He's really calling them back to the truth um, with hope because he believes that they really have been saved because he's seen the Spirit at work in them. Then we also see him modeling this in his confrontation with Peter in Antioch. So he clearly rejects Peter's hypocrisy, but he does so in a way that's appropriate to the situation, and he does it in a way that focuses on the truth of the gospel. So again, he's not condemning Peter, um, but he is condemning his hypocrisy. So he's calling him back to the truth um, in a way that's full of hope and a desire for restoration. And that's something that we should imitate in the way that we confront others. We're all in the process of being sanctified, and that means that believers still sin. Sometimes it's going to be necessary for us to call another believer back to walk in step with the Spirit. But we always have to do this in humility. We have to do it out of a loving concern for the well-being of the other believer, um, not out of a desire to make ourselves look righteous um, or to elevate our own position over that other person. Our desire should be for them to always be restored to fellowship as long as they're genuinely repentant of whatever sin they've become entangled in. Paul gave us really specific instructions for this in chapter 6. So he encouraged us to seek to restore those caught in sin whenever possible um, and reminded us to approach them with humility because otherwise we may be tempted into sinful pride and self-righteousness ourselves. Now, it's really important for us to um, particularly emphasize that when we're talking about a desire for others to be restored to fellowship after sin, that that is really conditioned upon repentance. Um, we should not be overlooking sin that is persisting in someone's life or overlooking sin that they have not truly repented of. Um, that, that does not glorify God. That is not honoring to God. And that um, puts that person in a position where they will be likely to be ensnared by that sin again. That is not loving our neighbor. Um, that is not, that's not true restoration anyway. So just something really important that I wanted to emphasize um, on that point. Okay, the next big idea that I wanted to remind us about is the importance of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes differences over pneumatology, uh, which is just a fancy word for what we believe about the Holy Spirit, Sometimes those differences can cause us to maybe underemphasize the role that the Spirit plays in our lives. Um, 
there are people on kind of one end of this spectrum who would be called cessationists. So they would say that there are certain um, acts of the Holy Spirit that only happened during the time when the apostles and the disciples were still alive during that early church period, and that some of those miraculous gifts have just totally ceased. Then on the other side, you would have continuationists who would say that um, the Spirit is still doing those things, that they're a really important, significant part of our worship. And some might even say that if you haven't experienced a miraculous filling of the Spirit, like speaking in tongues, that you maybe aren't really saved. Um, now, I don't want to speak for our elders, um, but based on what I've heard them say in the past, I would say that GBC falls uh, in the middle of this spectrum. So we're not um, continuationists in the sense that we think that special fillings of the Holy Spirit are necessary for salvation. We wouldn't say that at all. Um, but we're not strict cessationists either. Um, we wouldn't say that all miraculous gifts of the Spirit have totally ceased forever. Um, but sometimes, because of the harsh and um, passionate disagreements that we have about how the Spirit is still at work in us, um, some of us can shy away from talking about the Spirit really at all. Um, and also because I think a lot of us feel confused about the role that the Spirit plays in our lives. So maybe we just don't talk about it because we're afraid of saying something wrong. Um, but I think that that is... Um, it's a it's a good impulse to not want to say something that is untrue of God, but it is not a good impulse to ignore a member of the Trinity and just not talk about it because we don't feel comfortable with it. the The Spirit in us, His His presence in us, is the sign and seal of our salvation. It shows that we've been saved and that our eternal future with God is secure. That's something that should fill us with joy, and it's something that we should remember regularly. We know that we're saved because we can see the Spirit at work in our lives as we become more like Jesus, as we begin to exemplify the fruit of the Spirit working in our lives. So the Spirit at work in us isn't always going to look like big miracles, um, but it will often come in the form of quiet promptings to pray maybe for someone, to resist sin, um, to share the gospel, or to just extend God's love to other members of the household of faith, as Paul encouraged us to do. The Spirit is the one that's responsible for our sanctification, and it's not something that we have to do on our own. Uh, when we looked at the, the fruit of the Spirit, we remembered that it's not a list of character qualities that we need to strive toward and check off on a list. Uh, remember we talked about the tree, how a tree can't produce its own nutritious soil or give itself sunlight or give itself water. A tree can't prune itself to cultivate the best harvest of fruit. The Spirit does the work in us and we yield fruit at the right time as we become more like Jesus over our entire lifetime um, from when we become a believer until um, we go to glory. So let's remember the Spirit um, going forward from here. Let's remember to celebrate the assurance that we have of our salvation because of the Spirit at work in us. Let's celebrate the work that the Spirit is doing in our own lives and in the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ at GBC. Um, and let's enjoy what he is doing in our hearts. Um, and let's 
not be afraid to talk about the spirit and be willing to learn more about the spirit. There's a really great book called Delighting in the Trinity that has a lot to say about the spirit um, in there. And I found that book really beneficial. So if you are still feeling a little nervous, maybe about talking about the spirit, I would really recommend that book as a great um, short little work that can really help refine your understanding of the Trinity in general and the spirit specifically. All right, and the final point that I wanted to uh, remind us about was that right theology should be the foundation of healthy biblical community. Um, And when I say that, I hope that I'm not making you feel like, oh, uh, if I don't spend four hours a day reading my Bible, and if I don't read really heavy theological works all the time, that I'm not going to be able to have healthy community with other people at GBC. That's definitely not what I'm saying. Um, But what I am saying is that Um, We need to be grounded in the truth of the gospel and agree on the essential truths of the gospel in order to have healthy community uh, with one another. Um, And we see this really clearly in what was happening in Galatia. What caused division among them was a bad theology, bad understanding of what the gospel really was. Their failure to understand the gospel caused some of them to cling to legalism while others drifted toward lawlessness. They had forgotten that Christ had set them free, both from being enslaved to the law and from being enslaved to sin. And so we aren't any better than the Galatians. We can't expect that if we don't really understand what the gospel says, that we can have healthy community with one another. The Galatians also allowed differences like economic class and gender and ethnicity to create hierarchies and divisions among them because they failed to grasp another aspect of the gospel. That is, that salvation means that we're united with Christ and therefore with one another. We can't have hierarchies in our position before God because Christ has united us to him and to one another. This unity that we have isn't one that ignores differences or that turns a blind eye towards sin or other perversions of the gospel. Unity means embracing that we're all uniquely created by God and we have different experiences and life circumstances and giftings. And those differences should be an asset to the church, not a liability. They can allow our church to serve God in a variety of ways by meeting different needs in different places and in different ways. So when we see another believer and see that they're different from us, we should first see one another as fellow members of God's family and second, rejoice in the ways that God has made them different from us to serve him in, a, in their unique calling. Now, I want to emphasize again that the fact that good gospel community is based on good gospel theology that doesn't mean that we all need to become Bible scholars. What it means is that we need to remember something that we talked about back in the introduction, that we are all theologians. We all believe things about God, and consciously or unconsciously, those beliefs shape our behavior. It influences our decisions and the ways that we treat one another. We're constantly being discipled in how to think about God by the things that we fill our lives with, spiritual Christian things and unspiritual secular things. If we really want to know God, if we want our theology to be accurate, 
we need to be aware of who and what is discipling us. That is what will protect us from false teaching, and that will help our relationship relationships with other believers be healthy. Many of us, and I absolutely include myself in this, many of us allow ourselves to be shaped more by things like Instagram and Netflix than we are shaped by the Bible, because that is where we spend most of our time, most of our attention. Or maybe we're content to let other people tell us what the Bible says and how we should understand it without trying to know and understand it for ourselves with our own minds. So let's seek to be wise and aware about what things are shaping us, where we're investing our time and our attention, and whether those things are pushing us more toward a right understanding of God or a wrong understanding of God, and whether they are pushing us toward um, being more like Christ, more like the fruit of the Spirit, or more like that list of the works of the flesh. When we know the gospel and truly believe that we are all equally saved purely by grace, by faith in Jesus, then our communities will look more like the list of the fruit of the Spirit. We will bear one another's spiritual burdens with gentleness and humility. We will fulfill the law by our love for one another. It is the grace of the one authentic gospel that makes us one family in Christ. All right, folks, that is it um, for what I have for you from Galatians. Uh, Let me just finish up by closing us. Um, But before I do, I just want to thank you again for um, sticking with this study, for all your words of encouragement. And um, I want to thank everyone who helped make this study possible. Um, But we're going to do that by thanking the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your graciousness and showing yourself to us through your word. Thank you for the work that you have done in my life and in the lives of the women who have done this study um, through our time in Galatians together. God, please help us to be united to one another more because of the work that your spirit is doing in us as we've studied this word together. And God, please give us wisdom and clarity to really know the gospel, to know what it is, what it's not, um, and to encourage one another to walk in step with your spirit because of the gospel's transforming power in our lives. Thank you for your graciousness and your goodness to us. Um, Thank you for the women of GBC uh, and the wonderful gift that they are to me and to one another. We pray all these things in your son's precious name. Amen.